Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad, we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. The roses that are placed in our sanctuary today in this beautiful flower arrangement, the roses today are in memory of Jane Stroud. Uh, the peonies that are in the arrangement are from the garden of Irene Murray, and so we thank you for that. We want to remember Jane and Charles and their whole family in this time, uh, and we do that in her memory today. Uh, I believe Keith has something that he wants to speak about. Thank you, Alan. I'll be very quick. I just wanted to say that this month of May is Transportation Month. Many of you who were here early saw the different slides uh, relating to that. You may have seen a picture of the minibus that we would like to purchase, and we're grateful that over 12,000 has already been given, and it officially starts today, but yet we've already had around 12,000 given, and so we're grateful for that but just encourage you to pray and think about what the Lord may have you to give over and above your regular tithe. And uh, we are excited about uh, rallying around this as a church family together and providing some, some good safe transportation for our children and youth and also our seniors as well. So thank you for your participation in that. I want to welcome Hannah Edwards. Hannah is a Gardner-Webb student and she is here this morning playing the French horn. Um, so we thank you for joining us and leading us in our worship this morning. As we begin our worship this morning, may we prepare our hearts and hear these words. Dear God, silence all voices within our minds but your own. Help us to seek and be able to follow your will. May our prayers be joined with those of our sisters and brothers in the faith, that together we may glorify your name and enjoy your fellowship forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn is number 686, God Made from One Blood, 686. Please stand and join in singing if you're able.
come forward this morning for lesson on the steps? Well, Lila, it's just you. I know I saw Alexander. Here comes my James. Where's Jude? Do you want to stay back there? All right. How many of you know what this is? What is this, James? Light. A light. Flashlight? Do you ever get to use a flashlight? Yeah. When do you use a flashlight? Every day. Every day? Yeah. Wow. I bet you have a fun time with the flashlight. Do you use it on a special time or you just like to play with it? Time, okay, all right. Do you know what this is? Bracelet. No, mm -mm. What is this? I need to be able to plug it in, let you see it. How about a night light? Yeah. Yeah, do you have a night light? Yeah. Yeah, when do you use a night light, Lila? Do you use at night. at night when the room goes dark? What comes on? Night light. Night light comes on. Well, you know, sometimes we have to use lights when it gets dark. And sometimes we might need a light when we get scared. Do you ever get scared sometimes when it thunders maybe? Yeah. Maybe you don't get scared. Oh, you're better than I am then because when it thunders and lightnings, I like to be safe. And when you don't have power, you might need a flashlight, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, there's a verse in here that I want to read you. We've been studying, Pastor Keith's been studying for 1 John. Well, I've gone back to 1 John 1, chapter 5. I mean, chap verse, chapter one, verse five. And it says, here is a message we hear. God is the light. There is no darkness in him at all. So the flashlight helps us when it's dark. But when we take God into our heart, we don't need to worry about being scared, do we? We don't, that's exactly right. Because you know what we can do? We can say, dear God, Please take care of me during this storm. Or please take care of me when things don't always go right. I need you to touch my shoulder and say, it's okay, James or Lila. We're going to be fine. I am your light and you'll never, ever have to worry about anything as long as you hold me special and keep me in that heart to love you and hug you and care for you. And as Lila gets ready to start getting toward the end of school and taking tests and things that she doesn't like to do and I don't like to do either and you're not ready, but you'll soon be there. We need to remember that God's there with us and we don't need to be scared because he takes care of us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the sunshine today. This is the day that you have made and we need to rejoice. We need to be glad. Thank you, Lord, that you are our light. And you do walk with us in through the darkness and into the light. And you are our flashlight. You are our nightlight. You love us, Lord, and we love you. Take care of us, Lord, this week. Bring us back safely. Watch over our families our church families, and our friends. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Before I pray, I want to remind each of you that tonight we will have a Relay for Life service that will begin in our lighthouse at 6 o'clock this evening. And so we encourage you to be here. Heidi and Joel Dobbins will be speaking. And uh, we just encourage each of you to be here and be a part of that. It'll be a wonderful time to be together. And if you need to know any more details, you can talk with Diane Rabin and catch her this morning uh, before you leave. But that's this evening at 6 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room. Uh, We want to continue to extend sympathy to Charles Stroud and family uh, in the passing of Jane last Saturday. Uh, We just continue to grieve with them and uh, just pray for God's presence to be uh, very present with you, Charles and Aaron, Rebecca. And um, just uh, we keep you in our our thoughts and prayers. We've experienced a a big loss. Let's be mindful of a few prayer concerns this week. Linda Green will go in for back surgery tomorrow. We want to be in prayer for her. Ken Daves remains in Shelby Hospital, has experienced a very difficult week, and we want to be in prayer for Ken and for Cheryl during this difficult time. And also Doris McIntyre, who will have knee surgery this week. We want to be mindful of her. And also for Samantha Collins, we rejoice with her and excited for you. And um, there you are back there with mom in the choir. Um, Great, but we'll be praying for you this week as well. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for a beautiful day you've given us to come and worship. We're grateful that, um, Lord, we come from different backgrounds and personalities and interests. Some have had great weeks. Some have had very, very difficult weeks. But, Father, we come today uniting around your son, Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we are here. He is the reason that we have life. He is the reason we have hope. He's reason that we have light that Ellen talked about in her children's sermon. And Father, we're thankful that in the midst of all these things that you are, that you are our good shepherd and that you walk with us through the trials, through the victories and the times when we're on the mountain and also the times when we're in the valley. And Father, we know that every week we gather as your church. There are people who find themselves in both places throughout the course of the week. Father, we commit our lives to you today. We pray that if there are things that you need to convict us about sin in our life today, that you would do that. We pray that you would challenge us in ways that each of us need to be challenged. And Father, we pray that you would encourage those here today that need to be encouraged, that need to know that there's hope, that they need to know that there's other people who care for them. And Lord, we pray that they would know that today. Father, we pray for each of us in relationship to our lives, our relationships with you, our spiritual lives. Father, we pray that you would speak to us new and fresh, that something may be said or sung today that we'll leave here having gained greater insight into our walk with you. Teach us more about how to love as you've taught uh, us through the Apostle John here in 1 John and throughout the Gospel of John as well. Lord, it's difficult to love others at times the way you've called us to. And Father, we confess that we need your strength to do that. So, Lord, teach us more about what it means to love others the way that you love us. Father, bless each one here today and meet each one at the point of their need. We lift up these who will be having surgeries this week. And, Father, we pray that things would go well. We continue to pray for comfort for the Stroud family. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. Again, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Our next hymn is number 301 in this very room, 301. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
before I pray, I want to share just a very short piece of scripture. It's in Malachi chapter 3. It concerns the tithe. And the tithe in the Old Testament was uh, quite literally 10%. And 10% not of what was left over, but 10% of the first, the first of crops, the first and the best of what the people had earned at that time. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. It's kind of unusual for the Lord to say, test me. You don't hear that very much. So I think it's kind of important. Put, this to the, put him to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for the opportunity for us to come and worship you freely. We ask now that the tithe that is brought today, and in addition to that, our offerings and our sacrifices, that it would be a blessing to you, and that you would bless the giver and bless the gift so that your kingdom may be furthered. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
First, I'd like to take this time to thank uh, all the mothers in advance of Mother's Day. I know my mom will be watching this, so she's uh, homebound. So I want to especially uh, thank God for being blessed with such a wonderful mother, Betty Jenkins Washburn, and also for the mother of my children, Sherwin Washburn. Scripture reading is 1 John 5, 1 through 6. It's uh, page 1067 in the Pew Bible. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood.
Amen. Thank you, choir. What a beautiful song. If you are here today for the first time or the first time in a long time, we have been, or in several weeks, we have been uh, working our way through First John in a sermon series called Family Resemblance and talking about the fact of uh, we know in our families we have certain traits, certain physical characteristics that we pass down. And um, as Christians, as believers, as children of God, as John calls us, we have certain characteristics. And that number one characteristic is that characteristic of love that we share, hopefully, among one another and that we share to a world that we live in as well. Uh, Harry, thank you for reading scripture this morning. And I don't know if Harry knows what was coming, but uh, we have just one family today. We've been featuring families every Sunday in, in, on, our, on the big screen, but today we're just featuring the Washburn family because it takes several slides to feature the Washburn family. And so we're going to begin today with uh, the matriarch and patriarch themselves, uh, Betty and Jean Washburn there. You see Harry that just read scripture and you can't tell that he's the baby of the family, can you? sitting there in his mama's lap, but we've got uh, Kathy from Chesney, we've got Libby here, Libby Blair here in Boiling Springs, and of course, uh, Harry as well. And so, um, wonderful people, wonderful family. And so let's try to move on to some more of the family. We couldn't put them all in one picture. These are the grandchildren there, and you notice uh, Jay and Downey and Brett and some other ones that I don't know as well. But um, a wonderful picture there, again, from their living room. And let's go on to the, to the next photo here with the great-grandchildren. And like I said, we couldn't fit them all in one photo there, but you'll see a few faces there that you may recognize. And um, appreciate Libby providing these, uh, Harry. And what you may not know, uh, or you may, Libby sent me a photo that was not uh, appropriate for a church of you in the hospital as well. But I think we should... We should keep that family in, or that photo in the family, I believe. So we won't be, we won't be showing that, as you're probably grateful for that. So um, thanks to all of you that have provided photos. It, uh, it's a blessing and encouragement and just fun to see families in our, in our church, some of which we know well and others we may not, may not know so well. But thank you all for submitting photos, either of yourselves or of hopefully you've seen those that you know up on the screen as well. Uh, let me remind you that September the 9th, we will have a church family photo out front. And I know I, I said this last week and I'm saying it again because as activities and summer schedules pick up uh, or as you maybe go on a vacation, things like that, let your family know that on that day, some of you, may, they may need to plan ahead, but on that day, we'll take a church family photo. And so those who may live out of state or out of the area are welcome back on Founders Day for 2018. And we'll leave church a little bit early and go out on the front steps and take one of those large, uh, one of those large family church photos that you see sometimes in the history books. But we spent five weeks looking at the characteristics of God's children. And here in 1 John, none of these characteristics are more important than the one we looked at last week, and really almost every week, the characteristic of love. And how did you do this week at living out? You don't need to say anything out loud, but uh, at living, living out your love for God and for others this week. As your pastor, each week it's uh, fun to see and encouraging to see how many of you live that out each week, not only in relationship to those who maybe share a Sunday school class or some kind of small group Bible study together, uh, but also the ways that you respond to family in times of grief uh, when comfort is needed and an encouraging word or maybe a, a hot meal 
I know that some of that's been going on, and it's, it's encouraging as your pastor to be able to see those things take place, some of which I have no idea that are even going on. Uh, there's no way that I could know everything that's going on here in a church um, uh, our size. And so it's just encouraging, and I want you to know that, that as pastor, when I hear about somebody responding to someone and showing kind expressions of love and sympathy, reaching out to someone, maybe it's someone that's visited with us or something, or you're going by their place of work and somehow you're following up with them, and it's just really encouraging as your pastor to be able to see those things take place and uh, just to, to see the, the, the practical side of this love that we've been talking about, that God has shown us through his son and to see that being displayed through many of you is so encouraging. A quick summary of 1 John. I want to just remind us of a few things for those that maybe are here for the first time. And then some of these things may just be, uh, help us kind of put, put everything in perspective here. First of all, 1 John's letter is very direct. Uh, we see that as we read through it. It talks about good or bad, light and darkness, Christ and antichrist. There's no, there's no gray area for John. Everything is, is to the point. Uh, love or hate, keeping God's commandments, not keeping God's commandments, life, death, uh, don't love the things in the world. Thing, these are things that we can all relate to and understand very clearly. As I was uh, reading something else on 1 John this week, uh, I read an article that talked about the binary code or binary mathematics. I think I'm saying that word right. And this idea of the binary system, it breaks things into, into two and only two choices. And John does this with matters of faith. It's light, it's darkness. You either love God or you don't love God. Uh, it's, things are very clear, very black and white for John. You're either of God or you're not of God, according to John. John's words are also very relevant. They're relevant in the first century to John's audience, and they're also relevant to us in the 21st century as well. Um, we, we need to, or we can uh, read in this short book, uh, what we are to be about as God's children. It's, it's, it's very relevant things. If you need to be reminded, uh, again, of what we are to be about, read through 1 John. And if you feel like you've gotten off track, go back. It's a short book. Read through the whole book. Uh, it wouldn't take you long, and it's a great reminder to help get you back on track about what's most important in life and what has God asked of us. And he tells us today in 1 John 5 that we are, if we love him, then we are to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And John also writes with authority. And when I say with authority, I don't mean arrogance. He knows what he's talking about. He's walked with Jesus and all of the disciples have now gone. Many have been martyred and some of which have left to go to India or go to different places in what we now refer to as Europe and other places. And John doesn't know of their fate. He doesn't know what's happened to them. But John's seen some things. You, you, have you heard that from some people in your family? Maybe those that have been away at war and returned home or those that have just experienced some trials and setbacks in life. They've, they've seen some things. They've done some things. And um, John has, has, uh, would fit that category in the sense that he's walked with Christ. He's seen the miracles. He's, he's heard of what Jesus has done. He's seen firsthand. And he tells us that as you read through First uh, John, especially chapter 1, he says, what my eyes have seen, what my hands have touched, that's very personal to John. And he's nearing the end here. He's most likely uh, in his 90s, possibly, as, as this was written. And he's been through some hardships, and um, he, he's seen a lot. He writes as a wise older man desiring to share the things that he's learned, and he wants those reading and those hearing his message to pass these on to the next generation. We could think of John as having, being, having similarities to an older professor, one who speaks confidently about what he or she knows. And we have a few of those in our midst here at Boiling Springs Baptist. 
John is a supreme teacher, a supreme teacher that makes us feel that it's okay to ask questions. I always love that because I have a few of those questions and I'm glad when Aiden, I come home, I, was it, is it Einstein? We talk about that at home. He, he, his parents didn't say, what did you learn today? They say, well, how many questions did you ask? Because questions are important. And I love the professors that make me feel like, or the teachers, whether through elementary school or high school, that make me feel that no question is a dumb question. Although sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, I came across a few this week, if you don't mind if, if I share, um, but I, I feel like John would be patient for the most part with some of these silly questions. So if you're a teacher, you've, you've had some of those. Um, will it hurt your eyes if you look at a picture of the sun? You know, anyway, silly, silly question. Does it take 18 months for twins to be born instead of nine? Silly questions. Do fish get thirsty? Can you cry underwater? Do penguins have knees? I mean, if you're a teacher, you've occasionally heard some of these silly questions, especially if you teach children. Why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? I could go on, uh, but I think we should get back to the sermon. There's always uh, room in a classroom for questions that pertain to what the teacher is talking about. John would never belittle us for asking what may be considered obvious questions in regards to matters of faith. I don't read John's writings and he, we've known as the apostle of love and I don't think that would be the case if those during his day and also we today would not ask questions of John after reading what he wrote. Let's ask one of the most obvious questions or we're going to ask one of the most obvious questions as we've read 1 John 5 today but before we do that I want to say this, God's people are identified throughout the Bible in many different ways. We could popcorn those off this morning in the church, but I'll, I'll do some of that for us. Among them are Christians. Among them are disciples, followers, saints, sheep, light, ambassadors for Christ, members of the body of Christ. He refers to, or in scripture, we see references to a, his church being called a royal priesthood. At times, he also refers to us as aliens and strangers, servants of Christ, the people of God, just to name a few. And John's most favorite way of talking about uh, God's people is children of God. And we've seen that as we've read and studied through 1 John. Each of these descriptions gives us another facet of our character as the church of Jesus Christ, our role, our position, and our privilege as God's children. Near the end of John's letter, he introduced two additional titles, and both of these titles are mentioned in today's passage. The believer, and you may think that's an obvious description of what that is, but we'll talk about that today. He mentions believer and he mentions overcomer, or in the NRSV or other translations, it may say conqueror as well. Two characteristics that we'll be looking at this morning. So the obvious question is what is a believer? That's a pretty obvious question, don't you think? Hopefully it wouldn't be in the category of one of those silly questions. But what is a believer? In verse 1 of chapter 5, John writes, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Later in verse 5, John writes, Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In John's writings, the word or a form of the word believe is mentioned over 98 times. And none greater than what I want to mention in the Gospel of John. If you remember when we started this study, I, remember, I reminded you that the Gospel of John was written to unbelievers. And we see that here in, in what I'm about to read. And then the, gospel, or the little epistle of 1 John was written to believers. 
But in John 20, as we think about the word believe or believer, John 20, verse 31, John writes, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Greek word is pistuo. Pistuo, I believe I'm saying that right. It's to believe, it's to entrust. It can also mean to have trust in, to commit to, to rely on. And a form of this word, like I said, appears numerous times throughout John's gospel. But what's interesting, too, is that back in, in uh, what we just read, John 20, verse 31, this is a summary of the whole gospel of 1 John, is what this one verse is. These have been written that you may believe, that you may rely on, that you may trust, that you may commit to, that you may dedicate your life to, that you may believe in. And then he uses the definite, definite article, the, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and the Son of God, and that believing as a result of faith, as a result of putting your faith and believing in Jesus Christ, that you may have life in his name. I want to think of an illustration, and I know when I was a youth minister, I would think of, or we often hear the illustration of a chair. There's one down here. I was looking for one. But if we, we have faith that if we go down there, we're going to sit in that chair, and that chair, we have reliance and we have the, the confidence that that chair is going to hold us. That chair is going to do what that chair was designed to do. The chair will hold us up. And so in believing in Jesus, we have this sense of reliance, this sense of commitment, this sense of trust that Jesus is who he said he is. And by faith, we believe in him. Another question to ask is, what does John mean when he writes, whoever is born of God overcomes or conquers the world. What does it mean to be an overcomer? If you listen to Christian radio, you may have heard uh, the song Overcomer. But what does it mean to be an overcomer? It comes from the Greek word nikeo. It means to overpower, to overcome, or to be victorious. It's similar to the common household paraphernalia that I've seen some of you even wearing this morning that has the term or has the word N-I-K-E on it, Nike. Nike was the ancient Greek goddess of victory. It has its origins in the Greek language. Again, overcomer. In its present tense, the word overcomer suggests two things. Again, that word can also be used conqueror. It suggests two things, that the Christian's conflict with the world is still in progress. I don't need to tell you that, that the Christian is still in conflict with the world. It's an ongoing struggle. It's something that we deal with every day. The second thing that this word suggests is that, the, it's that continuous victory is possible. Not only will we one day overcome, but as we live this life, we are overcoming the world. We are overcoming sin and we are overcoming uh, the evil that the world has around us. The world here, let's define that as well. The world here means all the forces and the powers of evil that are pitted against God and his people. Whatever is against the spirit of God would fall into that category as being of the world. So we've studied about three words here this morning, and, it's, and it's, it's hard not to talk about words when you get into 1 John, because as, as Alan is learning in Mary in Greek class, I mean, it's, it's all about the words, and, and you've probably been talking a lot about 1 John. I don't know that, but it's a great place to, a lot of Greek professors uh, uh, start there. So we've looked at what it means to be a believer, what it means to rely on, to commit to. We've looked at what it means to, to overcome, and we've also looked at what John means when he talks about the world. And no other place does he do that more so than in uh, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, John writes these words. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. We see this word overcomer or conqueror in another scripture, one that was mentioned uh, at Jane's service this last Wednesday, Romans 8, 37, a verse that was important to Jane. It says, we are more than conquerors. We are more than victors. We are more than overcomers through him who loved us, through Jesus Christ, the son of God who loved us. Why is being an overcomer important? John uses this word, or it's almost identical word, conqueror, three times here in today's passage, verse 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It overcomes those things not of God. And this victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I think, church, you would agree with me that being an overcomer changes our perspective on the ways that we see other people and the ways that we see our world. The world oftentimes thinks we're crazy. I mean, let's be honest. You believe in someone that you haven't seen. You believe in something that it's just, it's an old book. It's, it, it, you know, was written uh, thousands of years ago and the world kind of has its, its doubts. The world has its questions or the world has its opposition to anything uh, often that can be of Christ. Uh, any, you know, and, and I understand the, the, the criticisms about religion and, and, and organized religion and, and what I tell and you have told other people is that uh, what, what we care most about is that relationship with Jesus Christ. We do have some religious parameters that that fits under for us in the way that we do things. But what matters most is have we put our faith and trust in this one that John talks about? Have we put our faith in the son of God? Have we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Have you noticed something about John's writing in the gospel and in 1 John is that it all comes back to Jesus. Amen. A lot of times as a church and and as leaders in the church, if we're not careful, we can get distracted with all the periphery of things that happen in church life. One of the recent studies called Growing Young that we did back in January about how to be more effective at reaching a younger audience, one of the things that it said in there is that the younger audience can see through all of that. What they want to hear, what they want to see in a church, what they want to hear from the pulpit is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. A lot of times we put other things with that that become of, of great importance But when it comes down to it, everything, and and John does a great job of this, it reminds us that it all comes back to Jesus. As children of God, he urges us to preach Christ, to hold up the name of Christ, and to believe in Christ the Messiah, the one who has come to save us from our sins. The clearest presentation of the gospel can be found in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 5. And you may want to jot this down or even grab the pew Bible there in front of you. But it's in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 5. And John writes these words. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. Again, John being very simple and straightforward. He who has the son has life and he who does not have the son of God does not have the life. In these two verses, John tells us that salvation is a gift. 
We've done nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing that can achieve it. We don't go to class so we can achieve salvation. It's not something that, again, that we earn, not something that we deserve. It is, eternal life is a gift. None of us would, would ever go to a home of a, of a friend or someone that invites us over and it serves a nice meal and we sit down and we enjoy that meal. None of us would ever stand up at the end of that meal and say, well, how much, how much do I owe you for the meal tonight? Let, let me write you a check or let me give you some cash. None of us would ever do that. What God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ, is a gift and we have done nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it. The second thing he tells us is that in these two verses is that eternal life its source is a person. The source of eternal life is a person, and it's in the Son. You rely on Christ alone and in faith alone for salvation. And these two verses also remind us that eternal life is a present possession. If you have the Son now, you have life. If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and believe in him, then we have life. Not only life abundantly on this earth, but we have the promise and the hope of eternal life that we will one day live forever with him because we believe. And as we believe, again, we are overcomers. To go back to our two words, we are overcomers, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And as we, again, heard Wednesday that nothing can separate us. If we put our faith and trust in Christ and we believe in him for salvation, we are overcomers. Not only in this world, but again in the life to come, and that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you, church, do you have this life, this life in Christ? Do you have the eternal life that's provided in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I'd invite you to, to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. The decision to follow and place your belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is a decision that no one can make for you. It's a decision that you and you alone must make. And I just invite you, I ask you this morning, has this been a decision that you have made? Can you look back at a time in your life when you know that you've put your faith, your belief, the one that you committed your life to, the one that you're now relying on in Jesus Christ? If you've never done this, there's a simple prayer that you can pray right now where you are in your pew that says, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son. I now put my faith and trust in you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would come into my life. And if you would do that sincerely right now there in your pew, things can change for you and that you now have promise of eternal life. But there may be others that need to pray a different prayer this morning. Some of you may need to, to pray a prayer, God, I've put my faith and trust in you, but the pressures of the world, as John has talked about it, as we've talked about it this morning, these things that are not of God have begun to cloud out my relationship with you. I've begun to, to put other things as more important than you in my life and uh, my job and, and, the, and, and acquiring things of the world and, and just maybe seeking notoriety and and uh, moving up the ladder at work have become more important than you recently. And God, for that, I ask your forgiveness. And I ask that you would teach me more about how to love you and how to love others as you have called me to. For some in here this morning, that prayer may be more appropriate today. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and, and sing a song that, that many of you will know. But I invite each of you, if there is any in here today that prayed that first prayer for the very first time, that you've invited Christ to come and to, 
to reside in your life and in your hearts. I would love to know about that and the church would love to know about that. We'd love to celebrate that with you and love to talk with you more about what it means to be baptized and what it means to, to be a testimony to the world that you are now a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for each one gathered here. Lord, we're all at different places with you spiritually. Lord, many in the room have walked with you for many years and are just great examples of what it means to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who maybe just began this, mor- just begun this morning or for those who are beginning that walk with you, Lord, strengthen us today and teach us more about what it means to walk with you and to know you and to love you and serve you. Lord, help each of us as we are often tempted by the world and the many temptations that are there, Lord, help us to be faithful to you, to walk with you, and to be examples of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, Father, may others take notice, not of one who's perfect, but of one who's been redeemed, one who's been forgiven, and one who now walks and lives for Christ. Speak to us as we stand and sing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you desire church membership, I would love to talk with you more about that. Uh, So you come as we sing. Let's stand and sing together. Hymn number 272, they'll know we are Christians by our love. What an appropriate way to close out this sermon series on 1 John. Let's stand and sing together.
just want to encourage you today before you leave to maybe speak to a couple people that you haven't spoken to before you leave today. If you're here for the first time, I'm going to be in the vestibule after the service is over, and I would love the opportunity to meet you and to get to know you a little bit better. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Help us as we leave this place today and and as we go back into the world in which you have called us to. Lord, help us to go victorious as overcomers who have put our faith and trust in you, knowing, Father, that nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together. Amen. Amen.